Blog Talk Radio.
I know that is right, man. Never give up, y'all. Never give up the fight. Never give up the struggle. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Good morning and Baba Wab, which means good morning in the ancient Paleo Hebrew. I'm your brother, your host, your friend, as always, Tazapah. Welcome to the show, y'all. Little inspirational music this morning, man. That is one of my favorite, one of my favorite songs, man. The message. That's back when we used to actually make music that had positive content, y'all. I know that is far in between these days, man. But uh, that's one of my favorites. So, y'all, if it's your first time tuning into the show, uh, this is FYI Thursdays. And I do this a little different than I do my podcast on Tuesday. On Tuesday, I do news about an hour, then I jump into a topic. Well, on Thursday, it's just all topic, man. And topic uh, is based off of, you know, things that I see, things that I want to dive into and further expound on. Uh, And also questions, y'all. Y'all have questions. Send your questions in, please. to either me or Mashaba, and uh, we will do a, a whole class just based off of your question, man. We love questions, man. When you have questions, that means that you've been studying or you've been pondering or meditating on something, man, and that's always good, especially this day and time, man, when we've got so many devices at our fingertips who walking around with computers in our pockets. Uh, it's definitely good to actually, you know, shut everything down, man, and just take the time to meditate, to think deeply upon, you know, and take the time to get in the book, man, and study. The more you study, the more questions you'll have, man. If you ain't got no questions, then you ain't been studying, man, and you ain't been meditating. So, y'all, with that said, I want to send shouts out to uh, all our affiliated schools, uh, the brothers here in San Antonio, uh, the brothers in VA, the brothers up in Rochester, New York, uh, also the brothers down in H-Town, um, the brothers in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the brothers in Cali, and the brothers in Canada, and shout out to Kawakab down in Guatemala, uh, the Watamashaba for hooking up the broadcast, my brother, my friend, my partner, man. Uh, so, y'all, let me go ahead and get it cracking. Um, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. And I hope everybody is healthy. Hope everybody is uh, in good spirits. Um, just found out a sister was, is sick. And I want to ask y'all to send prayers up for uh, the sister Abadiah, man. Great sister. Hardworking sister, man. I can't say enough about the sister Abadiah, man. She's known not just in one camp, <laughs> but in two different camps, all of the same camp, but we know her very well well here in from in the San Antonio, the San Antonio camp. Um she was she stayed with us for probably about what, two years, three years she was here, uh before she went back to Houston. But uh good sister man. Good sister. And I just asking for prayers for the sisters. Y'all send y'all prayers up for the sister Abadiah, man. Um, Shaba, I know you were definitely added to your prayer list, man. And that's 
dope, Ock, what you got going on. I love your, your prayer list, the prayers that you send up for the sick, man. That That is to wild, Ock. All right, y'all. So let me go ahead and get into it. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, and it reads, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, excuse me, our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, y'all. So let's get um, Psalms also. So the Lord's Prayer, y'all, we should be sending this up on a daily so we can get the hell on, man. Also, uh, y'all, in Shabbat, send prayers up for the brother uh, Shathat. Matter of fact, let me make sure I got his name right. I always get his name mixed up with the other brother in Houston. Shaquat. Send prayers, please, y'all, for the brother Shaquat Gabar. Young brother, young, dynamic, strong brother, man. Joined the camp when he was 18, I believe, 18, 19, something like that. Levi, brother, from Florida. I just found out he was Levi, man. I did not know that, but it makes sense. (laughs) Good brother, man. So y'all please send prayers up for that brother. Psalm chapter one eighteen verse twenty four. This is the day which the Lord had made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high brought you to it, he'll bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. Please believe me. All right, y'all. So I wanted to uh, dive back into a class I started a couple weeks back entitled History of the Gentiles Part 3. Um, and I know I had dabbled and got into another class, y'all. I apologize. Uh, sometimes I have so much stuff going on in my head that I be just trying to get it out, man, and not uh, realizing that. I might be confusing some of y'all, or y'all might be waiting for me to get back and finish the class, and I, I don't get back to it, so you think I ain't dealing with the class no more. But this is when I started, and I definitely, I'm going to finish this. I'm not going, I ain't going to touch nothing else. I ain't going to put nothing else together until I finish this class right here, y'all. Y'all got my word. All right, so uh, the last part of this class, part two, we were going over uh and I was looking on the Wikipedia Jerusalem timeline, and we were just going over the captivities that Israel had been in, the many captivities that Israel had been in, and we were discussing the Nero, the Neo uh, Assyrian, the Neo Babylonian period, which was from 733 BCE and all the way to 670 BCE, and in particular. Matching this up with the Bible, let's go to Second Kings chapter seventeen. 
this is essential, y'all. I know I'm I'm going through a lot of history, but the class is entitled History of the Gentiles. So you have to understand uh, this whole term, Gentile, and understand the history that the Gentiles had in relation to the Israel place. And I went over this in this class showing that the Gentiles, they worshiped idols. They they were and still are idolaters. They're pagans, man. They worship other deities, and they have never been familiar directly, intimately, with the God of the Bible. I mean, they've heard of the Most High, and they, they've uh, dealt with the Most High. The Most High has dealt with them, I say it more correctly, um, by uh, roundabout ways or directly for something that he wanted to get accomplished. But the Most High, the God of the Bible, is definitely the God of the Israelites and not the God of the whole world, man, as people are misled to believe. And this is all throughout the Bible. So in order to understand this, before we get to the New Testament and we get all twisted up in uh, theology and religion, that tells us that everybody is the same and Christ died for everybody. He's coming back to save everybody. We have to understand the history of these people who are loosely referred to as the Gentiles in the New Testament. All right. So uh, let's get second Kings chapter 17. I'm going to start at verse 19. Just a little small recap and then we're going to keep going. So verse 19 reads, also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord, their God, but walked in the statues of Israel, which they made. Now, the reason, and if you didn't know, the reason Judah is mentioned here and Israel, because and it's two separate names, but it's representing the same people. And when I say the same people, it's representing, these two names are representing the 12 tribes as a whole, the nation of Israel as a whole. But around 930 B.C., the kingdom split up. So you had the northern kingdom, which who was were taken out of their land by the Assyrians around 722 B.C., all right? But you had the northern kingdom, then you had the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom consisted of three tribes, Judah, Benjamin, and Levi. And they were taken out later on, and we're going to get to that, around 586 by the Babylonians, okay? And then others came behind them. But in verse 19, this is what it's talking about. It's talking about history, y'all. The northern kingdom, and I went over this, were, were took out, um, like I said, around 722 uh B.C. under the Assyrians, and that was, uh, what's his name, Tiglath-Pilassar, um, Shalomaneser, all of them was part of the Tiglath-Pilassar uh, genealogy, uh, Sennacherib, all them people, all the Assyrians, they took the northern kingdom out, and the northern kingdom uh, is also known as the ten tribes or the nine and a half tribes commonly referred to, and those tribes being uh, led by the by an Ephraimite uh, named Jeroboam, 
named Jeroboam. So this is the aftermath of what happened after, uh, matter of fact, yeah, the aftermath of what happened after the northern kingdom was took out of uh, Israel, the northern half of Israel. So I'm going to read this again, 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 18. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. So it says Judah here, but we know um, through 1 Kings chapter, you can go back and read this, 1 Kings chapter 17, 18, 19, that there were... Uh, there was Benjamin and also Levi, some of the Levites that were still occupying the southern kingdom. Even though it says here in verse 18 that Judah was left only, that's not true. So verse 19, also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord, their God, but walked in the statues of Israel, which they made. So the statues of Israel, the northern tribes, was idolatry. So you find out Judah was doing some idolatry also. The southern kingdom was practicing idolatry also. Verse 20, and the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them. Now, listen to what it's saying, verse 20, and the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel. So when it's talking about all the seed of Israel, he's talking about all the idolaters of our nation, all the people of our nation, excuse me, and particularly the northern kingdom. He said he rejected them. It's going to prove it. Watch this, verse 20. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. Here it is right here, verse 21. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. Talking about the northern kingdom. Verse 22, for the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which was idolatry, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets. So was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. And the kings of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria. So you had these other nations come in to the northern kingdom of Israel and specifically here the capital of Israel, which was Samaria, it says instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So you have these nations that are in our land. Verse 25. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. So this is what happened uh, when these other nations were in our land. The Most High sent lions that was basically murking them. Esau made a movie about this called Ghost, The Ghost in the Darkness. I believe it was, uh, who was it, the dude that played Batman? Val Kilmer and um, Michael Douglas. Good movie. All right, so this is what happened. Uh, where was I at? 
verse 26. Wherefore they spake to the king of, of Assyria, saying, the nations, listen to what it's saying, verse 26. So they, they told the king, the nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. So what he was saying here was that these other nations that you brought in, verse 24, all those nations, they don't know the most high. He was the God of the land, of the, of the northern kingdom of Israel. He was the, their God, the Israelites' God, always has been. This is why he's telling you these other nations, they don't know him. So how the hell could they possibly know him in the, when we get to the New Testament? <laughs> Come on, man. People really don't read the Bible. But I'm not, I ain't going to blow it. I'm going to keep reading. We're going to lead up to it. It says, therefore, he has sent lions among them. And behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Verse 27. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, carry thither one of the priests whom he brought from thence and let them go and dwell there and let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. So what this king is saying is go and get one of those Israelites, those Israelite priests that y'all took out of the land. Bring him back so he can show these other nations how to serve the Most High, their God, the Israelites' God. Verse 28. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from uh, Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. <laughs> so did the other nations know how to serve the Most High? Did they know about the laws, the sacrificial laws, the law on uh, agriculture and things of that nature? Yes, they actually did. Because who taught them? Some of the priests that they took out of the land that they had to bring back to show the people how to serve the Most High, how to please them. So are the other nations familiar with our law, statutes, and commandments? Yes, they are. Verse 29, how be it? Every nation may God, listen to this, verse 29, how be it? Every nation may God, little g's, of their own. Why did they do this? Because this was in their nature to do in the first place. Remember in Deuteronomy, it said that the most high, had gave all the other gods to the nations anyway. So this was not anything that was abnormal. This is what they were prone to doing. Once again, they were pagans. They were idolaters, the Gentiles. And the word Gentile means nation, also means heathen. All three other words are synonymous with one another. Verse 29 again. How be it? Every nation made gods of their own and put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans may, had made every nation in their, in their city wherein they dwelt. So this was all the nations that the king of Assyria had placed in the northern kingdom. This is what they was doing. So they was practicing idolatrous, idolatry, and they were also trying to serve the most high. It's no different than now. This is basically religion before religion. <laughs> and I'm saying this because all religion is is paganism with a bunch of the, the scriptures and the most high thrown in. That's all religion is. 
verse 30. And the men of Babylon made Sukkoth Benah, and the men of of Kuth made Negral, and the men of Hamath made Ashamath. So these were all the deities that they were creating so they could serve, verse 31. And the Avites made Nebaz and Tartak, or Tartak, and the ship of Vites burnt their children in fire, Adamalek, and Ahmad Melech, the gods of ship of Arium. So you see how the other nations were still practicing idolatry in the land of Israel at this time. All right, we're going to read to verse 41. It says, So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves. So it says they feared the Lord, meaning what? They were practicing on how to serve the Most High, but they were still worshiping these other deities. They were still pagans. Verse 32. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the Lord of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods, little g's, after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. <laughs> Unto this day they do after the former manners, they fear not the Lord, neither do they after their statues. Meaning what? The nations, they don't really fear the Most High. They're still pagans. And they don't do the commandments of the Most High. It says, or after their ordinances, or after the law and commandments, which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. I hope everybody is understanding this. The other nations, they ain't trying to do the commandments. They never was trying to keep the commandments. This is why in religion today, the first thing they tell you is what? Oh, the law is done away with. <laughs> That's not a coincidence, y'all. These heathens never kept the law. That's why they don't want you to keep it. When they get you to not keep the law, then they understand that now you're being disconnected from the Most High. Verse 35. With whom the Lord had made a covenant. Come on, y'all. Let me read it in context. Let me shut up real quick. Verse 34, I'm going to read 34 35. Unto this day, they do after the former manner. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after their statutes, or after their ordinances, or after the law and commandment, which the Lord commanded the children of Israel, whom he named Israel. I'm sorry, the children of Jacob, who he named Israel. Verse 35. With whom the Lord had made a covenant. And charged them, saying, Ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with, with great power and a stretched out arm, him shall ye fear, and him shall ye worship, and to him shall ye do sacrifices. And the statues, and the ordinances, and the law. And the commandment which he wrote for you, ye shall observe to do forevermore. And ye shall not fear other gods. See how the most high just 
he kept warning us profusely not to serve other gods, not to be pagans, not to be idolaters. The other nations, however, he had no problem with them being idolaters because that was given to them. Verse 38, in the covenant that I made with you, ye shall not forget, neither shall ye fear other gods, but the Lord your God ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. Howbeit they did not hearken, so we didn't listen. Of course we didn't listen. And I don't think people understand this, man. If you don't get Israel, the Israelites, falling into idolatry, you basically wouldn't have a Bible. <laughs> I don't know if y'all really understand this. If you don't get us not following the law, statutes, and commandments, you wouldn't have a story. There would be no Bible. It would have been the children of Israel kept the commandments of the Most High and lived happily ever after. <laughs> That's all it would have been. That's all that the Bible would contain. But the, the, the reason the Bible is so big, it's a big book, is because we didn't keep the commandments. And I'm stressing this, y'all, because I'm stressing this for non-believers, and I'm also stressing this for our Israelite brothers who believe that we shouldn't keep the law anymore, that believe that the Gentiles are going to be saved, and all this other nonsense. They really don't get this. If we never would have been doing what the other nations was doing, which is idolatry, there wouldn't be a book. There, there, there wouldn't even be Christ popping up on the scene to save the Israelites from their sins. None of this would have happened. Like I said, it would have been a short book, a short read. The Israelites, most high given the commandments, boom, they kept them. End the story. They lived happily ever after. But it didn't go that way. Unfortunately, it didn't go that way. And now we've got tons, tons of history saying that we didn't keep the law, statutes, and commandments and what it cost us. Verse 41. So these nations feared the Lord and served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers. So do they until this day. Do y'all hear this? It's talking about us. <laughs> to this day, we're serving graven images. To this day, we're idolaters. To this day, we're not keeping the commandments of the Most High. Like I said, this is why we have a Bible. So big, so big, so extensive. All right, y'all. Let's go to, uh, yeah, I got to get this. Let's go to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 18. The whole Bible is basically centered around us keeping the law, statutes, and commandments. That's why I really don't get how brothers can say that we don't have to keep the commandments no more when this is the nucleus of our being. This is it doesn't make sense, man. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, uh, let me see. Nope. Long verse, y'all. I'm sorry. Uh, where's the one I'm looking for? Give me a second here. Let me find it. 318, not 4. Let me correct this. Ecclesiastes 3.18. I said in my heart concerning the estate, of, the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. <laughs> so this is David speaking. He's saying that man is beast. Why is a man a beast? Because a man, just a natural man, a Neanderthal, does not have a moral code, does not have ethics, does not have rules. Us without the commandments of the Most High, we be like animals. Think about that for a second, y'all. You ever seen a dog in heat, a female dog in heat? A female dog in heat will literally have intercourse with another dog in the middle of the street in traffic. And I know y'all didn't saw this because they're going based off of what? Their instinct. What they feel. How they feel. Their lust. Their craving. This is us without the commandments. I hope y'all listening. Us without the commandments or like dogs in heat in the middle of traffic having intercourse. No no care about getting ran over by a car. No care about who sees us. No, Ain't no shame in our, in our game. This is us without the commandments. Why are the commandments so important? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whether ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom. Why are the commandments so important? Because the commandments is wisdom, the correct application of knowledge. And you look at the the sets of laws, you look at the moral law. The moral law teaches us what, man? What's moral and what's not? So when we, we won't be having sex in the middle of traffic. <laughs> That's not moral. So we won't be homosexuals. That's not wisdom. That's not the most high. That's beastly. Reacting off your impulses and your emotions. That's not being a man. That's being a beast. That's why David said it. Wisdom is what? Hey, man, that's his woman. Let me not be hitting on her and trying to get in her pants. I wouldn't want nobody doing it to me. That's wisdom. These are just a couple examples of the moral law. What about the civil law? Hey, I'm not going to take this dude's car because it ain't my car. It's his car. Civil laws deal with property. I don't want nobody doing it to me. Wisdom. Ceremonial laws. Hey, the Sabbath is coming up. Hey, let me keep pure thoughts on this day. Let me dedicate this time to the most high. 
let me put what I want and what I got going on to the side, and let me worship and serve the most high on this day. Because he's the one that gave me life. He's the one that gave me all these things to enjoy in the first place. That's wisdom. Verse 6 again. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. Why do they say in the sight of the nations? Because the nations were idolaters. They were pagans. So they were going to notice how much wisdom we had and we weren't beastly like them. This is what was supposed to happen. I know everything is flipped now. We we more beastly than the nations. It says, keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. In the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. This is what was supposed to be said about us. <laughs> but we start following the example of the other nations. Now, let's go. Let's go to this timeline. And give me a second, y'all. Here we go. All right, so we're going back to the Jerusalem timeline that I got off of Wikipedia, and we're going to go to 599, y'all. 5, oh, I passed it. 599, all right. So 599 to 597 BCE, first Babylonian siege. Nebuchadnezzar, the second, crushed a rebellion in the kingdom of Judah. So talking about the southern kingdom. Because remember, we already went over the northern kingdom, how they was took out. They were took out by the Assyrians around 722 B.C. So this is the, the uh, northern kingdom. No, I'm sorry. This is the southern kingdom we're talking about here. 599, 597 B.C.E. First Babylonian siege, Nebuchadnezzar II crushed a rebellion in the kingdom of Judah and other cities in the Levant, which had been sparked by the Neo-Babylonians' fell invasion of Egypt in 601, Joachim of Jerusalem deported to Babylon. All right. So that's from Wikipedia. Now let's go in the book and get what we just read out of Wikipedia. Let's see if they match up. So let's go to the book of Daniel now, y'all. Let's go to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to read the, uh, verse 21, y'all. It says, uh, in the third year of the reign of Joachim, and we just read this. It says, uh, king of Judah came Nebuchadnezzar, and we know it is Nebuchadnezzar II, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, this is very important to remember, too, y'all, and that's why I emphasize this, Nebuchadnezzar II, because sometimes you'll read... Like, we might read about Nebuchadnezzar in another uh, book, such as uh, Jeremiah or something. 
And it won't be talking about the same Nebuchadnezzar. It'd be talking about maybe his son or his son's son. And uh, in particular, it really gets like that by the time you make it to the Greeks, man, because they just kept naming their sons after them for forever, for forever. So you might get mixed up with which one it was, which son it was. So this is dealing with Nebuchadnezzar II. So verse 2, and the Lord gave uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. You see this, right? Into the house of his God. So this is the Babylonians. The Babylonians would be your current day Ethiopians, Africans. They destroyed the temple of Jerusalem. Once again, this happened around 586 B.C. Matter of fact, let me, yeah, let's get that. So in Burmary, verse 2 again, then we're going to go back to Wikipedia. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with part of his vessels of the house of the Lord, I'm sorry, a house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. See, they, they was idolaters, y'all. And he brought the vessels into the treasure of his treasure, treasure house of his God. So what he did was he brought all the things that came out of our temple, Solomon's temple, the first temple. He stole them when he destroyed Jerusalem, and he put them in his God's temple that he was worshiping. And I believe they worshiped Baal and a host of other gods, too. Now, let's go back to Wikipedia real quick, and I'm going to read... Um, 587 to 586 BCE. Second Babylonian siege. So the Babylonians, they see they seized Jerusalem a couple of times. They basically occupied the city uh, as well as the northern kingdom because the Babylonians used to be a part of the Assyrians. It was the, the Assyrian Babylonian uh, Empire. They were together. And then they, they had wars between themselves, and then they broke off from one another. Or the Assyrians, a lot of them were uh, incorporated in the Babylonians during the Babylonian reign. So it says 587, 586 BCE, Second Babylonian Siege. Nebuchadnezzar II fought Pharaoh, a priest, a, a priest attempt to invade Judah. Jerusalem mostly destroyed, including the first temple, and the city's prominent citizens exiled to Babylon. It says, see Nebuchadnezzar Chronicle. So this is verse 2. Read it again. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Still with me. Verse 3. And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princesses, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and as such had ability and t- in them 
to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, the Chaldeans, excuse me, and the Babylonians are one, y'all. So uh, the capital of Babylon was Chaldee. That was the capital. So when you see the Chaldeans being mentioned, it's basically the Babylonians. Chaldee, uh, once again, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Babylon was the capital of Chaldee or Chaldean. That was Babylon was the capital. So when you see them being mentioned, they're one and the same. Verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision, king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah. So listen, y'all, talking about the children of Judah, the southern kingdom. So this is the southern kingdom's captivity. Remember, the northern kingdom already gone. The children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, verse 7, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. So look how we've been, we're being renamed. <laughs> we're being renamed. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> Say your name going to be Toby, boy. Kuta. Kuta Kinte. <laughs> they renamed us. Not a coincidence, y'all. Most I said this, though. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he said that we were going to have bywords that we were known by. Instead of going by our regular names, we want to have bywords that we went by, not our original names. So this is part of Deuteronomy 28, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel didn't want to be defiled were eating the food that the other, these other nations ate because we had a dietary law. We had a standard. We just couldn't put anything in our mouth. But the nations didn't. The nations ate and still eat whatever. Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king who had appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse in liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall he ye make me endanger by uh, endanger my head to the king. So this dude was like, look, man, if I don't do this, and y'all look all jacked up because y'all ain't been eating, the king is going to cut my head off. I'm going to be in trouble with the king. Verse 11. Then said Daniel to meet to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananias, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servant. I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So this is what Daniel said. Give us water and pulse to eat. I have not done any extensive research to find out what this pulse was, 
But I know a lot of churches be trying to do this, and they call it the Daniel's fast. <laughs> the, let's do the Daniel's fast. Completely read over how another nation had Daniel in captivity, and this is the reason Daniel had to do the fast in the first place because he didn't want to defile himself. But y'all say that the Gentiles are friends. <laughs> They're they're our friends. They're they're friends of everybody. Everybody can make it to heaven. Not even understanding history, reading completely over history, that another nation had the Israelites, God's chosen people, in captivity. Gentiles had God's chosen people in captivity, but now all of a sudden in the New Testament, the Gentiles are going to make it. That makes no sense. Like I keep saying, it's not consistent with the narrative of the Bible, man. I hope y'all seeing this. Anyway, what verse were we in? Uh, okay, I said we we're gonna read the verse twenty-one. All right, read now. In verse thirteen, then let our continents be looked upon before thee, and the continents of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou see it, see it, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this manner and proved them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, as for these four children, what four should the Israelite children, which God had gave them knowledge, skill, and all learning and wisdom? Because we already established from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5, we already had knowledge and wisdom, that being the commandments. So when you have the, when you have the commandments and you keep them, you can add on to your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding extensively. Because everything after that is simple, you know. Um, verse 18. Now, at the end of, of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Azariah, Therefore stood they before the king, verse 20, and in all manners of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So he found the Israelites' children smarter than all the other nations. I hope y'all seeing this, man. This holds true even to this day. We're still smart. Said, why do you think the school system is trying to dumb our kids down? There's a reason for that. Anyway, read on, verse 21. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Hmm. Daniel continued to the first year of King. Who is King Cyrus? All right, y'all, let's get it. So we definitely gonna read in the Genesis chapter two, but before we get that, matter of fact, do I have it in here? 
Give me a second here. Hold on, hold on. So I want I don't want to jump and then I'd be a blank. Um, I guess I could go there now. I had it here. Let me see. Yeah, let's get it now. We'll probably go back to it, but it's all good. Um, Let me read this again. James chapter 1, verse 21. And Daniel continued, even into the first year of King Cyrus. So who is King Cyrus? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 45. We're just going to read verse 1 because we're going to come back here to get some more edification. Uh, Isaiah 45. Verse 1, thus said the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open their, to open before him the two uh, leave gates, and the gates shall not be shut. All right. So I kind of jumped the gun on that, but I'm going to go back to it anyway. But Cyrus was king of the Persians, y'all. He was king of the Persians, and we're definitely going to get to them as we go to Daniel chapter 2 now. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, y'all. I'm sorry. Let me correct my notes. No, that's right. Cool. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, and let's start at verse 36. We're not, I'm not going to break this whole chapter down, but I am going to break important key parts of it down. So Daniel chapter 36, and it reads, Daniel, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 2, verse 36, and it reads, this is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. So the beginning of this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar II had a dream, and um, nobody could interpret the dream, none of the Babylonians. Because remember, in Daniel chapter 1, we find out that Daniel and his companions were wiser than all the other nations that was there in Babylonia, or Babylon. So here we find out that the king had a dream, and Daniel was the only one that could interpret it, right? So let's get into the dream. Verse 36 again, this is the dream, and we will tell thee the interpretation thereof before the king, the we is Daniel and his companions. 37, thou, O king, art a, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven had given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. Verse 38. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of, the, of heaven hath he given unto thy hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art his, thou art this head of gold. So like I said, I'm going to break the whole chapter down. But in the dream, king seen a statue of a man. And the, the, the head of the man of the statue was made of gold. All right? Now, this gold 
Matter of fact, it says, what verse are we in? Let's read verse 38 again. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, had he given unto thy hand and had made thee ruler of them all, thou art this head of gold. So he's telling uh, Nebuchadnezzar II, who came into power under five, around 586 B.C., the Babylonians, that they were this head of gold. This is the timeline that Daniel was giving him. So we're reading these precepts, but these precepts are covering years, years of history, y'all. So this is what he's talking about in verse 38. Now, I already read this off the Jerusalem timeline, but to refresh our memory, let's read it again. It says, uh, Jerusalem timeline, 587-586 BCE, Second Babylonian siege, Nebuchadnezzar II fought Pharaoh, a priest attempted to invade Judah, Jerusalem mostly destroyed, including the first temple, and the city's prominent citizens exiled to Babylon. See Nebuchadnezzar Chronicles. So this is the Babylonians coming to coming into power, verse 38. That's what it's talking about. Now watch this, verse 39. And after thee, so after the Babylonian Empire, shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. So this second kingdom that was not going to be as strong as the uh, Babylonian cap, uh, the Babylonian nation was going to be the Persian Mede Empire, which came into power around 538 B.C. Now let's go to this uh, Wikipedia Jerusalem timeline to match this up with history. So it says Persian I commend, period. And we're going to go to five. So it has 539 here. So 539, 538, we'll take it. Uh, Jerusalem becomes part of the Eber-Nari sauce trap of the Achaemen Empire after King Cyrus the Great conquers the Neo-Babylonian Empire by defeating Nabonidus at the Battle of Ophius. So this is history. It's all lining up. Now, let's hold this in Daniel 2, and let's go to Daniel chapter 5, y'all. Daniel chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 30. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. So Belshazzar, this was the son of Nebuchadnezzar II. He took over. And after he took over, he was killed. So Because he had an angel come and write some stuff on the wall during Daniel's stay there. And he didn't know what it mean. He asked Daniel to tell him what it meant. And Daniel basically, he read it to him, and it said that his kingdom was finished, that it was a wrap, it was over, that he was a through piece. And as soon as Daniel broke the dream down to him, verse 30, 
And that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. He was killed the same night. Now watch this. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. So Darius the Mede came into power. And what's interesting about this man, these people really are something else. They go through extensive links to hide our history. So when I was looking up Darius, I didn't see a lot of historical evidence to prove he ever existed. I ain't see it, yo. And when I looked further into it and I studied the um, Persian Median Empire, there are historians doubting that the Persian Median Empire ever took place. <laughs> they saying that it never happened. Ain't that something? This is not by coincidence, though, y'all. They do this type of stuff on purpose to confuse the masses so you can't put the pieces together, man, about history, about other nations, and about who you are, man. So I did find a little bit of information. Let's go to evidenceforchristianity.org. And it reads, it says, is the Darius who built the temple after Xerxes in Ezra's four, Darius the first or Darius the second? So this proves what? That Darius did did exist because this particular question that this dude is asking asks about what? Darius the first and Darius the second. So if Darius never existed, as a lot of historians will say, then why would somebody be asking questions about whether they existed or not, whether it was Darius the first or Darius the second? All right. It says the book of Ezra mentioned that after uh, our factor that I said Xerxes, right? What's the same dude anyway? Uh, Xerxes stopped the rebuilding of the temple that it began again during the reign of Darius is this Darius the second that reigned after Xerxes, or is this Darius the first? And the Ahasuerus and Xerxes mentioned in chapter four, Cambius and uh, Sertius. This is all a bit confusing. <laughs> so do have questions. Now, like I told y'all, these names, the names always throw people off. So Ahasuerus and Xerxes. Are the same people In the Bible he's referred to as Ahasuerus In the Apocrypha he's referred to as Exorcist uh, And then even them It was like Exorcist uh, the first Exorcist the second It gets kind of confusing y'all So this dude was confused about this So this is the answer The Darius doing whose reign The temple was built Is Darius the first So the Darius we're reading about in Daniel is Darius the first. I'm going to prove it to you. So let's go to, let's see. Hmm. 
I'm sorry, I'll be moving too fast sometimes. Let's go to uh first address, y'all. Let's go to first address. And we gonna hold this. I'm gonna read it again too. Let's go to first address chapter let me get to chapter chapter three, y'all. So first Ezra chapter three. Now when Darius reigned, he made a great feast unto all his subjects, and unto all his household, and to and unto all the princes, the princesses of Media and Persia. So this is talking about Darius, y'all. But which Darius is it that it's talking about? Now we're not gonna read all this chapter. But um in in this chapter, or in this these couple of chapters, there was a contest held amongst Darius's uh, bodyguards, and his bodyguards were Israelites. So they was like, who could come up with the the most powerful saying? So one of them, or who was the most powerful? One of them said that the king was the most powerful. Another one of the brothers said that um, women were the most powerful. Another one said that liquor was the most powerful, and another brother said, well, it was three brothers. One brother said that women and the most high were the most powerful. One said liquor was the most powerful, and another one said the king was the most powerful. So whoever would win this uh, wise contest, wisdom contest, will be given uh, or granted whatever they wished, all right? So let's read about the winner. It says, let me find it. Here we go. Then said the king unto him, and this was Zerubbabel. Yeah, this was Zerubbabel that actually won the contest. It tells you that we're in Daniel. I'm sorry, we're in First Ezra chapter four, y'all. Verse thirteen tells you who it was. It was Zerubbabel. We're gonna jump down to verse forty-two. Then said the king unto him, "Ask what thou wilt, more than is appointed in the writing, and we will give it thee, because thou art found wisest." And thou shalt sit next to me, and shall be called my cousin. Then said he unto the king, Remember thy vow. Listen to this. This is the part, y'all. This is how you prove it. Then said he unto the king, Remember thy vow, which thou hast vowed to build Jerusalem. <laughs> In the day when thou camest to thy kingdom. What vow? What is he talking about? Now, let's go back to this website again, evidenceforchristians.org. Answer. Darius during whose reign the temple was built is Darius I. The rebuilding of the temple happened in 516 B.C., as recorded in Haggai and Zechariah. Darius I reigned from 522 to 486 B.C., a very long reign which included the time of the rebuilding of the temple 
Darius II ruled from 423 to 405 B.C., which is after the end of the recorded events in the Old Testament. So now we got our facts straight. Darius did exist. It's proven through a secular source and a biblical source, that being what we just read in First Ezra. So we know he did, in fact, exist. We know which Darius that it's talking about in um, Daniel chapter 5, verse 30, verse 31. Oh, sorry, verse 31 in particular. All right, I hope y'all understand. I hope I didn't lose nobody with that. Now let's go to uh, National Geographic's Persian Empire. Okay, so what was interesting about the Persian Empire, y'all, was it was two nations that formed one kingdom. You had the Persians, who were led by uh, Cyrus and Darius, because Darius was actually from Cyrus from, from Cyrus's lineage. All right. Then you had the Medians, and the Medians they also had um, a king named Darius or a leader named Darius. So Persian Empire. It says before Alexander the Great of the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire existed as one of the most powerful and complex empires of the ancient world. So how were they one of the most powerful and complex empires of the ancient world, but the historians say that there's no evidence that support that they ever existed? Come on, son. Persian Empire, also known as the Achaemenid Empire, lasted from approximately 559 BCE to 330, 331 BCE at its height. It encompassed the areas of modern-day Iran, Egypt, Turkey, and parts of Afghanistan and Pakistan. The empire emerged under the leadership of Cyrus II, who conquered the neighboring uh, Median Empire ruled by his grandfather. So, we find out that the Persians actually conquered the Medians. His grandfather, Cyrus's grandfather. It says from then on, Cyrus was called the Shah or King of Persia. Eventually, he was known as Cyrus the Great. Cyrus was unlike other emperors because he showed mercy towards the, ci- the cities and kingdoms he conquered. He was he was known to spare the life of a defeated king so that the king could give Cyrus, I'm sorry, the king could guide Cyrus in successfully ruling over the captives, the captivities, I'm sorry, the captive subjects. Cyrus also practiced religious and cultural tolerance towards conquered people. I hope y'all hear this. This is very important. This is what type of cat Cyrus was. And we read about him a little bit in Isaiah chapter 45. In verse 1, we're going to go back there now and get the rest of the information about him and how the Most High chose to deal with him. So people always want to say, well, you know, the Most High, he did deal with other nations. Yeah, he did. He did. But they didn't have the same relationship with him that the Israelites had. I'm going to prove it to you. Watch this. Isaiah 45 and 1. Thus said the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, 
whose right hand I have holded. Now, he says his anointed. So the most high anointed Cyrus. He had a job for him. We're going to read. We're going to find out. Watch. It says to subdue nations. And he did subdue nations. He came into power. The Persian meat empire. We already read this from this. Uh, what site was this? From the National Geographic site that it was a powerful kingdom. It took over the known living world around 586, right? When they came, I'm sorry, 538, when they came into power. It says, Thus said the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holded, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. So the Most High was like, Cyrus, I'm going to go against you and your enemies, the people that you couldn't conquer. I'm going to make it so you can conquer them now. This is what he's saying when he talks about making the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasure of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. So even though the Most High was dealing with him, he still was letting Cyrus know, hey, I'm not your God. <laughs> I'm the God of the Israelites. But I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to read on. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called thee by thy name. He said, I'm choosing you for Israel's sake. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. He's letting Cyrus the Great know, you don't know who I am. I'm foreign to you. You're familiar with Bel and all those other deities, but you ain't familiar with me. So I'm introducing myself. I'm the God of the Israelites, and because and the reason I'm calling you is for the Israelites. We're going to find out. Watch this. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. So he's letting <laughs> Cyrus know that his little deity ain't sitting in control of nothing. He says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. Who is the day? <laughs> me, the other nations. I'm letting you go testify to the other nations that there is no other God besides me. I'm the most high. Verse 7, I formed the light and created darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, let me drop down. Uh, yep, that's the one. So let me drop down now to verse 11. Thus said the, the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. I have made the, the earth and created man upon it. I even, I, I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded. I have raised him up. Who is the him? Cyrus. He raised Cyrus up in righteousness 
and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city. <laughs> I hope y'all are seeing this. Why did the Most High deal with Cyrus, the Persian, so he could rebuild Jerusalem, so he could rebuild the temple? I'm going to read this again, verse 13. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall let go my captives. Who is the captives? The Israelites. Not for price nor reward, said the Lord of hosts. I hope everybody's saying this, man. This is why the Most High was dealing with Cyrus. This is why the Persians came into power. It was by way of the Most High, but the Most High had a purpose for them to rebuild the temple. I hope everybody's seeing this, man. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. I hope y'all are seeing all the history, man, how extensive the history of the Bible is. So Daniel chapter 2, and let's read verse 39 this time. Let's read 39 again. And after thee and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. So we already established in verse thirty eight that the Persian I'm sorry, the uh, Babylonians was the head of gold. Then we got into the Persian Mede Empire uh and did their rulership, their reign to power. And then in verse 39, it talks about another third kingdom of brass. This third kingdom of brass is talking about the Greeks who came into power around 333 B.C. under Alexander the Greek or Alexander the Great. This is talking about him. Now, let's match this up. We're going to go back to Wikipedia, Jerusalem timeline, Hellenistic period. So we're in the Hellenistic period now. And we're going to go to 332. It says, Jerusalem capitulates to Alexander the Great during his six-year Macedonian conquest of the empire of Darius III of Persia. So we find out, man, it was Darius the first, Darius the second, Darius the third. And we find out who took them out, Alexander the Great. Alexander the Greek around 333, 332 B.C. That's when the Greeks came into power. The Greeks is who we know as our Caucasian counterparts. This is when their history and their greatness and this recorded started. How can we prove this? Did this really happen? Matter of fact, let me read the rest of this. 332, uh, 332 BCE, Jerusalem capitulates, capitulates to Alexander the Great during his six-year Macedonian conquest of the empire of Darius III of Persia. Alexander's armies took Jerusalem without complication while traveling to Egypt after the siege of Tyre, 332 BC. And you can read about that in Josephus, man. Because it says that Alexander took, the, took Jerusalem without uh, a fight. And he did. He just walked in, man. So let's get first Maccabees. 
chapter 1, just to bring it all together, man, showing how the Bible is, is a very reliable source of information in history. First Maccabees chapter 1, and we're going to read, just read verse 1. It says, and it happened after that Alexander, son of Philip, the Macedonian, who came out of the land of Shittim, had smitten Darius, king of the Persians and Medes, that he reigned in his steed, the first over Greece. We just read the exact same thing out of this Jerusalem timeline. Now, let's go to, or back to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to read verse 40 now. Let's read verse 39 again so we can recap. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass. So the third kingdom is the Greeks under Alexander of Macedonia. Came into power around 333, 332 BC. It says, We shall bear rule over all the earth. And what Alexander did was he conquered all the dark races, or all the dark races, or all the dark nations that were on the face of the planet during this time. Because there's only one group of people that does not have melanin in their skin that we loosely refer to as white. And he conquered all those melanated people. Verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron break it in pieces and subdue all things, and as iron that break it all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. So this fourth kingdom here, y'all, is talking about who else? None other than the Romans. The Romans coming into power. And the Romans' history, man, is is extensive also. So we're going to go to the Jerusalem timeline. Roman period, early Roman period. And we're going to jump down to 45 BCE. So we're going to pick up there. Because it actually starts, y'all, at 63 BC. But we're going to jump down a little bit to 45 B.C. It says, Antipater the Idumian is appointed procurator of Judea by Julius Caesar. The Julius Caesar is appointed dictator of the Roman Republic following Caesar's civil war. So the civil war he had was with uh, Pompey, I believe it was. Yeah, him and Pompey had a civil war. Pompey ends up going down into uh, Alexandria, Egypt, and ends up getting murked down there. Uh, and Julius became, um, they say, dictator of Rome. So this is who he, who, who uh, Daniel chapter two and verse forty is talking about talking about the Roman Empire. So they started their conquest. To power way back in 63 BCE. It actually started before that. 45 BCE, you got Julius uh, being Caesar. Now, let's hold this in um, Daniel and let's jump. Let's go to the New Testament real quick, y'all. The New Testament, uh, Matthew chapter 1. And I'd be, I'd be reading the hell out of this and beating the hell out of this, man, because people just don't get this. But uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, it says, So all the generations 
from Abraham to David or 14 generations. Now, in the beginning, verse 1 says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So this is Christ's genealogy. So Christ's genealogy goes all the way through, and we get to verse 17, and then it says, so all the generations from Abraham to David, Christ's lineage, once again, the Israelite lineage. This is the history of the Israelites. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, y'all. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon, the Babylonian captivity, which happened when? Around 586 B.C., 14 generations. So from the kingdom of David to the Babylonians taking over, kicking the southern kingdom out of his land, 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ for 14 generations. So from the Babylonian captivity, they skip over the Persian meat captivity, the Greek captivity, and jump all the way to the Romans, because that was during the time of Christ, for 14 generations. So, y'all, this is 500, roughly around 559 years of history right here in this one precept. But if you don't know the history of the Israelites, the history of the Gentiles, you would not have no clue what it's talking about right here. So let's substantiate that we're now in the time of the Romans, that what was talked about in Daniel, which we just read in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40. Let's substantiate that. So let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Who the hell is Caesar Augustus, y'all? Well, he was only the second emperor of Rome. <laughs> he came into power after his uh, uncle, Julius Caesar, was assassinated by the Roman Senate. This is him coming into power around 27 B.C., y'all. Around 27 B.C. I hope I hope everybody's seeing this. So let's go back to the Wikipedia timeline. Just to prove what I'm saying. Mm. Oh, did I pass it? Oh yeah, let me find it. Because we already got Julius Caesar. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, it's not on the timeline. It's on another one. Uh, Bam, there it is right there. All right, so this is from the Botanica. Augustus. Augustus, also called Augustus Caesar, or until 27 BCE, Octavian. Originally named Gaius Octavius, adopted name Gaius Julius Caesar Octavius, born September 23rd, 63 BCE, died August 19, uh, 14 CE. So when did Augustus Caesar come into power? Around 27 BC. This was the height of the Roman Empire's power, y'all. And this was during the time of Christ. As a matter of fact, right before 
Christ was born because we know that during Christ's uh, ministry, Tiberius Caesar reigned. He was a Roman emperor. All right, this is a lot of history, y'all. I hope y'all understand this. But this goes right along what we just read in Daniel. Let me read this again. Damn, I should have held it. Wait a minute. Did I? Yeah, I did. Daniel chapter 2, verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. For as much as iron break it in pieces and subdue all things, and as iron that break it all, the, all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. So it's talking about the iron. It's talking about the, the Romans' army, man, the Roman legion, man. They were some bad boys. Go back and uh, do some research on all the inventions that they had in their army and how they would conquer nations with their army. So, but this goes hand in hand. We just pulled off a Wikipedia timeline about the Romans coming into power, uh, Julius Caesar, 45 BCE, and then the second Caesar, Augustus, his nephew, uh, in 27 BCE. And I believe he was an adopted nephew. But these are all the captivities that the Israelites went into, man, the southern kingdoms. And some of the northern tribes, too, because some of the northern tribes ran down into the southern kingdom to hide out. Now, let's get Psalm chapter 44. I promise y'all, I'm getting to a point. I know it's a lot of history, but we got to get this. Psalm chapter 44. And where I'm going to start at. Wait a minute, let's not go to Psalms first. Let's go to Lamentations first. Lamentations chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 9. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He had destroyed the the broken, destroyed and broken her bars. So the her is talking about Israel. It's talking about Jerusalem, y'all. Talking about the Israelites. Verse 9, I'm reading again. Her gates are, are sunk into the ground. He had destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles The law is no more Her prophets Also find no vision From the Lord Matter of fact man Let me start at verse 8 The Lord had purpose To destroy the wall Of the daughter of Zion So my Israel y'all He had stretched out A line He had not withdrawn His hands from destroying so the Most High caused us to go into all those captivities. Therefore, he made the rampart, I'm sorry, the rampart and the wall to lament. They languished together. So this is the book of Lamentations. Jeremiah wrote it. Lamentations is when you're crying, man. This is what Israel was doing. We were crying because we got kicked out of our land and we was in captivity, being oppressed by the other nations, by the Gentiles, y'all. I hope everybody's saying this. Her gates are sunk into the ground. 
He had destroyed and broken her boys, her king, and her princesses, or among the Gentiles. So what was Israelite? Among the other nations, among the Gentiles, among the heathen. And the law is no more. Her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. Now let's go to Ezekiel chapter 4. Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 13, and it reads, And the Lord said, Even thus shall the children of Israel eat their defiled bread among the Gentiles, whether I will drive them. So we find out here that the Most High drove the Israelites amongst the Gentiles, amongst the other nations, amongst the heathens. Now let's get Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8, verse 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. I hope y'all seen this. Yes, y'all, I'm finna beat a dead horse. I'm finna beat the hell out of this horse. Israel was scattered throughout among all the Gentile nations. Uh, that's why I went through all the captivity to show us how how many nations we w- were captive in and how how many of us actually stayed in those nations, man, and grew up in those nations. This is some this is imperative to understand in the New Testament when you see the term Gentile being used. All right, Micah chapter five and verse eight. And the remnant of, and the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles. Meaning what? The Israelites that's left over is going to be where? Living amongst the other nations or amongst the Gentiles. In the midst of many people, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flock of sheep, who, if he go through, both tread it down and tear it in pieces, and none can deliver. Meaning we were going to be vulnerable in these other nations, y'all, which we are. Now let's get Psalm chapter 44 and 11. People don't read the Bible, man. I hope y'all are seeing this. Psalms 44 and 11. Psalms 44 and 11. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for me and has scattered us among the heathen. Once again, the word heathen, Gentile, nation, all the same. We found out that Israelites were scattered amongst the Gentiles, amongst the heathen, man. Same thing. Let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 31. And let's start at verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him, 
and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. I, I hope everybody's seeing this. The Israelites were scattered through the nations. Jeremiah chapter 50. This is all throughout the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 50. And let's see. Let's go to verse. Seventeen. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, listen to this. First, the king of Assyria had devoured him. The king of Assyria took out the northern kingdom. Around 722 BC. And last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had broken his bones. The Babylonians came into power around 586 B.C., took the southern kingdom into captivity. Let's get Ezra, chapter 6. I'm sorry, not Ezra. Ezekiel, chapter 6. In verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Set thy face toward the mountains of Israel, and prophesy against them, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, and the mountains talking about the government, the the uh, the elders, the people in charge, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus said the the Lord God to the mountains, and to the hills, and to the rivers, and to the valleys. Behold, I, even I, will bring a sword upon you. And I will destroy you, your high places. What was kept in the high places? These groves that was built to worship other deities. Paganism, verse four. And your and your altars shall be desolate, and your images shall be broken. And I will cast down your slain men before your idols. And I will lay the dead carcasses of the children of Israel before their idols. And I will scatter your bones around about. Your altars And I'm sorry In all your dwelling places The cities shall be laid waste And the high places shall be desolate That your altars may be laid waste And made desolate And your idols may be broken and cease And your images may be cut down And your works may be abolished And the slain shall fall in the midst of you And ye shall know that I am the Lord, yet will I leave a remnant that ye may have some that shall escape the sword among the nations. Hope y'all listening. When ye shall be scattered through the countries. Come on, man. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 16. Therefore say, thus said the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the heathen, I 
and although I have scattered them amongst the countries, yet will I be to them a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Come on, man. Ezekiel chapter 20. I'm just going to read these, y'all, because I don't think I really need to break them down. They're broken down. It's self-explanatory. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 34. And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. Let me jump down to verse 41. I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein ye have been scattered, and I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. I hope everybody is listening and understanding this, man. And this is a future prophecy. Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 25. Thus said the Lord God, when I shall have gathered the house of Israel from the people amongst whom they are scattered and shall be sanctified in them in the sight of the heathen, then shall they dwell in their land that I have given to my servant Jacob. Man, this is, right now, this is basically a concordance class. <laughs> I'm be real with y'all. I just looked scattered up in the concordance, and it gave me all these scriptures. Ezekiel thirty-six nineteen, And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries, according to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. Now, this verse says that we were dispersed, right? Dispersion of the Israelites is also known as the diaspora. So let's get what this big fancy word means. So I'm going to go to the Zonovan Compact Bible Dictionary, y'all. Page 133. Diaspora or diaspora. It says, that which is sown. The name applied to the Jews living outside of Palestine. Living where? Out side of Palestine. Palestine is Israel, y'all. It says, and maintaining their religious faith among the Gentiles. (laughs) God had warned the Jews through Moses that Dispersion among other nations And not just through Moses Because we already read it In in other books Other prophets said the same thing But I'm going to read this It said Moses 
God had warned the Jews through Moses that dispersion among other nations would be their lot if they departed from the Mosaic law. It cites Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 27, Deuteronomy chapter 28, 28 verse 64 through 68. <laughs> These prophecies were largely fulfilled in the two captivities by Assyria. We already got this. Around what, what year, y'all? Y'all should know this by heart by now. 722 B.C. And Babylon, Babylonia happened, what, 586 B.C. But, listen to this, but there were other captivities which helped scatter the Israelites. By the time of, of Christ, the Roman captivity, the diaspora must have been several times the population of Palestine. Now listen to this. Paul invariably contacted the people in every city he visited. What does this mean? This, this means that when Paul went to Rome, when he wrote his letters to the Romans, who was he writing to? The Israelites. When Paul went to Rome and visited the Romans, who was he visiting? The Israelites that grew up as what? Romans. Because they grew up where? In Roman providences. This was a well-known fact, y'all. This was not something that was hid or something hard to understand during the time of Paul and the apostles. Everyone knew that the Israelites had been scattered through all these other nations. I'm going to prove it. Let's go to St. John now. New Testament, mind you. St. John chapter 7. People do not read the Bible. And when they do, they don't understand it. St. John chapter 7, verse 33. Then said Jesus, so this is the Messiah, unto them, yet a little while am I with you. And then I go unto him that sent me. We're going to find out who the dim is he's talking to. Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot go. So Christ tells them, I'm going to leave. Where I'm going, y'all can't go. Now, listen to what they said. And now we're going to get who the day is. Verse 35. Then said the Jews <laughs> among themselves, Whether will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed amongst the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? Stop So all of Israel knew that Israel Was scattered Throughout All the nations Throughout all the Gentiles Everybody knew this Even Christ knew this I hope y'all seeing this Now let's get down to the nitty gritty of it Gentiles Let's go to Zonovan Compact Bible Dictionary, page 195. 
This is the definition of what Gentile means. It says Gentile, nation, people. Now, listen to this, y'all. Usually, it it means a non-Israelite people. And you see how deceptive the authors that wrote this were. Because they said usually. Meaning, sometimes the word Gentile did not apply to a non-Israelite person. (laughs) But we will read completely over this. We will read completely over this. And then, to their credit, they're not lying to you. They're just making it difficult for you to understand the term Gentile and how it can be used. The deceitfulness, y'all. The deceitfulness. But it says, let me read it again, Gentile. Nation, people, usually it means a non-Israelite person. So if usually, and usually means oftentimes that is used as to represent a non-Israelite person. Usually. But this means sometimes it can refer to an Israelite. I hope y'all getting this. Sometimes an Israelite could be called a Gentile. I hope y'all seeing this. I'm gonna hold this definition. I'm gonna come back to it, but I gotta prove it to you. Matthew chapter 18. Oh my goodness, man. What's that old saying? Reading is fundamental. (laughs) Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Right? But who's the brother? He's talking about, we're going to find out, verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Verse 17, this is the part I want to get to. Listen up, y'all. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but... If he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man (laughs) and a publican. So who would the neighbor be? Who would the brother be? He's talking about in verse 15. That would be an Israelite. But if this Israelite didn't want to listen, didn't want to conform, then Christ is telling us in verse 17 to treat this Israelite man like a heathen or a Gentile, y'all. So can an Israelite be referred to as a Gentile? Yes. <laughs> Christ just said it. It came out of his mouth. Man, I hope everybody's seeing this. Do we have other examples of this, though? Hold on. Let's get First Corinthians. 
Let's get First Corinthians chapter 12. We're in the New Testament, mind you, y'all. Look at the stuff people read over. First, first Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. We, we read over terminology. We read over brethren, but when we see Gentile, we just go crazy. <laughs> if you calling somebody your brother, that means what? Y'all cancel each other. I ain't going to take it out of context, though. I ain't going to, ain't going to, y'all, because of how you reach it. Watch this. First Corinthians 12 and 1. Now concerning spiritual, spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I mean, I wouldn't have you to where you don't know this. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. This is Paul speaking now, y'all. He said, you know, y'all know y'all was Gentile. How the hell could somebody be a Gentile one moment, did not be a Gentile the next moment? What the hell is Paul talking about? Ye know that you was Gentile. And what made these people that he's telling y'all used to be Gentiles Gentiles? Because they were worshiping idols. They were deep into idolatry. Paul is talking to Israelites, y'all, that were once Gentiles in mind, in spirit, in action, and in idolatry. You don't believe me? Let me prove it. Let's go to Hosea chapter 4. Got a little time left. Hosea chapter 4 and... Verse 16. Listen to this. For Israel slided back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb in a large place. Ephraim, the northern kingdom, because <laughs> he was it was led by the Ephraimite, Ephraimite named uh, Jeroboam. It says Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. <laughs> what is the most I telling us? To leave? He told the, the southern kingdom to leave the northern kingdom alone because they were into idolatry. So what did we start calling them? Gentiles. <laughs> All Israelites that was into idolatry, we called them what? Gentiles. Because they had a Gentile state of mind. I hope everybody's seeing this. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 1 again, and I'll go back to this definition. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Once again, how can somebody be a Gentile but then not be a Gentile no more? And if the Gentiles are going to make it, and Paul just said that the Gentiles practice idolatry, then how the hell are they going to make it? Because that's against God's commandments. Because idolatry is the belief in multiple gods, not just one. So how the hell are the Gentiles going to get salvation? It wouldn't make sense. 
back to his definition. Gentiles, nation, people. Usually, it means a non-Israelite people. So usually, meaning most of the time. But sometimes, it ain't talking about a non-Israelite people. Under conditions of peace, concentrated treatment was accorded Gentiles by the Israelites under Old Testament law. So it's going into how we had laws set up to deal with other nations. And it cites scriptures, Deuteronomy 10, 19, Deuteronomy 24, 14, Deuteronomy uh, 15, Numbers chapter 35, and 15, Ezekiel 47, 22, men of Israel often married Gentile women, of whom Rahab, Ruth, I don't agree with the Ruth. That's a whole other story. I ain't going to that. It says in Bathsheba are notable examples. So, yes, have Israelite men marry nations. It says, but the practice was frowned upon after the return from exile. It's no different than now, man. You see a brother, an Israelite brother or a Judite brother with a white girl, and you frown upon it, right? <laughs> There's no difference. It's, and it cites Ezra 9 12. It says, also, Ezra 10 through 30. It says, separation between Jew and Gentile became more strict. Until in the New Testament period, the hostility is com- completed. Persecution embedded the Jews and his re- the Jew and his re- and he retaliated by hatred of everything Gentile, and by avoidance of avoiding so far as was possible of contact with Gentiles. So by the New Testament, you hear us disassociating, our- disassociating ourselves with Gentiles, just like Paul. And uh, I'm sorry, Peter, when he got into it with Paul, because uh, Paul was sitting with Gentiles, these Israelites, and he got away from them. There's instances uh, of this in the New Testament. It says the intensity of the of these feelings varied and gave way before usually usual kindness. So this is talking about the relationship that the Israelites had. With those other Israelites that were called Gentiles, not the relationship they had with actual Gentiles from other nations, y'all. So, y'all, that's my time right now. Um, I hope y'all got some understanding out of this class. Let me mark my place. We're definitely going to come back to this definition and probably go back over this, honestly, uh, to recap. But I got a whole, 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 whole lot more, y'all. So, the water for everybody tuning in. Uh, the water, thanks to everybody, for everybody's support, everybody listening in uh, to Blog Talk Radio, man. And until next Tuesday, man, Lord willing, we going to say, or I'm going to say, shalom, y'all. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.